0: A couple of armchair GMs who have yet to be wrong with any of their Timberwolves takes.
1: <laughs> right. It's flagrant howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Teichy.
0: On oh, the Timberwolves, I love how they go from just three totally inexplicable losses, <laughs> home losses to the Wizards and the Hornets, and then a, a completely depleted you know, Warriors team where they have a double-digit lead and the sky is falling, and we do that episode. Kind of like, where, How do they pick up the pieces? Where do they go? Is Chris Finch a bad coach? What's happening here? And then 48 hours later, national TV, they grind out a great win over the Clippers. Finchy winds up on the herd with Colin Cowherd <laughs> on Fox Sports 1. Um, and all is, I wouldn't say all is right with the world, but it kind of feels like a, that Clippers win was a, okay, okay, still, okay. They're still. Would you call it a season saver?
1: Did they well, save their
0: season with that win?
1: Well, I, uh, you know, I'm back into the wine game, so I think I tweeted that it was the most impressive win of the season. Um, to which many people replied, "You do this every time, or you do this all the time," <laughs> um, which is which is fair criticism. I also uh, I'm not going to do, go a, fu- I'm do a
0: Twitter search for your handle <laughs> and most impressive.
1: Not to go uh, full full nerd here, but uh, you know, in in with data. Um, You know, like, for example, I got married in 2021. Uh, That first year was the best year of marriage I've ever had because I've only been married one year. So it is possible that as this team plays more games, there can be more impressive wins. Um, Yes. Was it as cool as that Mavericks finish? Probably not. Was it as big as maybe a win in January where they were just stifling on defense? Maybe not, but... I have a tough time going back on what I said after the win against the Clippers because, my God, was it toxic? I was part of that. But, yeah, I think it was a season saver because if you lose that game, uh, I tweeted this out yesterday, but their schedule in March is against all teams that I think are, like, in the top 11. Like, basically playoff teams, right? I mean, I guess the Lakers are in their kind of bookend on Friday and then at the end of the month, and now the Lakers are in disarray with LeBron and AD, but... Their schedule in March is so brutal, 9 it's, or 14 on the road, that yes. uh, you needed to steal one. And then to do it on national TV, to kind of address some of the things we've whined about com- you know before, to do it the way they did it with Jaden and Ant playing defense and Gobert kind of sealing the game with a dunk. Um, maybe not the most impressive, Phil, but yes, that saved their season. Because it also happened on a night where everyone else lost. So, they're yeah. back. they're They're well in the playoff hunt. Who knows what will happen moving forward, but... What a fun game to watch! And shout out to Stan Van Gundy because he did a great job of actually like compliment, like talking about real basketball things and being like, "Oh, this Jaden McDowell's guy," and like pointing out real things, not just doing the lazy take of, "Oh, this." I watched them for five minutes on YouTube. Yeah,
0: actually, I have a Stan Van Gundy thing, and we'll get into all sorts of okay. old stuff here. In fact, Chris Finch said some interesting things with Colin Cowherd mm-hmm. on uh, his national radio slash TV program, and we'll take some questions from you guys. We'll dive into the comment section more accurately, but. I can confirm here uh, just doing a, a quick Twitter search of your handle at Kyle Tige and win of the season as the exact phrase. Uh, so you, you did tweet it the other night. Most impressive win of the season. The only other time that you've tweeted this so far this year was after the Raptors win. You said that might be the biggest win of the season for the Timberwolves. Which it beat The Raptors been. on January 19th off of back to back. So again, so still... you've shown
1: some restraint. Okay. Only twice. I'm a, I'm a, again I'm a simple man uh been with the same partner for like 14 years driven the same Jeep for 15 years it just takes one win to really reset me so uh <laughs> big win against the clippers especially after a warriors game that was defensible but you know you choked away a fourth quarter lead and then a couple of games before that that were just inexcusable so all is right in the world uh at least for 24 more hours until they play the lakers and not to get ahead of us on on the schedule here but uh they could really, really end the Lakers season. Like, if you don't like the Los yeah. Angeles Lakers, the Wolves could really put an end to any of their hopes and dreams by just walking into Staples Center tomorrow and just kind of trouncing them, but that's not what they do. It's, They'll make it close.
0: Yeah, it's, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of done with predicting what's going to happen with yeah. the Timberwolves at this point. It's the least predictable team in the NBA. On Stan Van, real quick, mm. where does he rank? Is he on the Mount Rushmore of guys who were... Okay as coaches, but elite as broadcasters. Rex Ryan, I think, is on that list, too. I think he's just... He's not a broadcaster, oh. and so he's just like a talking head on ESPN. I think he's super entertaining. Stan Van Gundy was a good head coach in the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't he take mm-hmm. a team...
1: He was the with Heat the... the Heat he was with them? the Orlando Magic when like, that whole Dwight Howard thing was kind of peaking. Yeah. Like, with Turkoglu and... So Richard they Lose, went he was to the, the
0: finals team. and got beat maybe by the Lakers, if yeah. I remember right. I was
1: at, yeah, that was the first... One of the first basketball games I ever went to, my dad took me to Lakers Magic way down in Orlando many years ago when it was like Kobe and Paul Gasol and Dwight Howard and stuff. But, uh, yeah, he was a good coach. And then he went to New Orleans and got – I think he might have get gotten a president tag like Tibbs did, and he was terrible there. But yes. he's not afraid to say things, and he also watches basketball. And that's really all I want. I want honesty, and I want knowledge when my national people are talking. So, yeah, he's on the Mount Rushmore for sure, and Rex Ryan's another good one too. Yeah.
0: So Finchy are so Finchy gets the, the big win against the Clippers on national TV. And then the next day, so one of my uh one of my good friends is um is a suit at Fox Sports Radio. And I and and he well I'll just people know so Scott Shapiro used to be yep. the executive producer for Mike and Mike, and now he's I think he's a senior vice president for Fox Sports Radio. And I saw I saw Finch on the herd and I, I sent him an on I'm like dude are you uh you are you producing now too is this is this you guys I swear to god I had nothing to do with it one of the guest bookers with uh, with the herd has a connection to Chris Finch or something and I guess Finch listens to Colin Cowherd's show on a daily basis <laughs> I don't know if the win is what put him over the top to get on the couch and uh, do 30 minutes but they had a good you know lengthy interview and um and Colin asked Finch about a number of different things I think I'm just going to paraphrase here Uh, There are a lot of sort of Anthony Edwards, Mike Conley type questions. And Finch confirmed a couple things that the the two biggest reasons why they made the trade for Mike Conley, aside from just like the salary cap slot stuff that that we've talked about for weeks from a basketball perspective, there's the there's the sort of salary cap reasons. And Mm -hmm. then if it's just the basketball reasons, he said when Cat comes back, we think Conley can be much better glue between Gobert, Cat, Anthony Edwards, and other role players. And secondly, Mike Conley, maybe even most importantly, Mike Conley's biggest job is just getting the best out of Anthony Edwards. Mm-hmm. On the court, off the court. They want to surround Anthony Edwards with adults who've been in the league for a long time, understand what it takes to win. And so you know, in the week, week and a half that Conley's been around, According to Finch, he's been in Anthony Edwards' ear. He's been sitting next to him, practices, you know, bus rides, whatever it may be, and that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of people here in the gap between the d trade and whenever Cat comes back, rightfully so, what do the Wolves do offensively here if teams are going to trap and double-team Anthony Edwards or if, he, you know, he's got to sit for 15, 20 minutes because, you know, uh, he needs a breather once in a while. How do they score points and, you know, that's an issue right now, but lo- this is more of a long-term thing mm-hmm. over the over the the rest of this season and next year that they're banking that Conley is a better glue guy between Cat, Gobert, and Anthony Edwards than D'Angelo Russell was, and Conley's under contract through next year. Mm-hmm. D'Angelo Russell was likely going to walk. So those are my main takeaways from just sort of dissecting Chris Finch on uh, on the herd.
1: Yeah, I gotta on point number one about the Conley Gobert thing. Uh Alan Horton had this, but in that Clippers game, uh Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert ran a season high nine direct pick and rolls, which resulted in twelve points. Um and then Alan went on to say in five games together they've averaged just six pick and rolls a game, but their one point two seven six points per possession would rank first in the NBA. So yeah, Conley and you came can in and see that chemistry, the,
0: it's incredible.
1: And it's little things, it's like He's, you know, he's not more athletic than D'Lo, right? He's not by any means faster or whatever, a better shooter. But he, I think in his second practice with the team, he was like, guys, you got to make the pass here, not here, but like down, right? Just these little things it's like, this is, you know, this is how Rudy likes it. And should they be, you know, force feeding or, you know, trying to comply with all the Rudy's demands or what he needs? I don't know, but you invested in it. So this is, this is the bed you've made. These are your nine fingers, but yeah. um so far so good on that. And then, yeah, you know. Anthony Edwards has had two presidents in his three years in Minnesota, and, you know, Rosas and now Conley. And the one thing that has been a steady thing throughout Ant's tenure, and I think about this with, like, a lamello ball who got hurt, but still, like, his maturity and just what he's been saddled with in, in Charlotte, Ricky Rubio, Patrick Beverly, Mike Conley, you know, even D'Angelo Russell, like, he has always had these veteran point guards to kind of, like, be with him in the backcourt and not just play alongside of him. But, like, they do. They sit him next to each other in the locker room just 24-7 having people helping this kid grow because it is his team. He is, the, you know, the the future. He's the franchise, whatever. And you just need to get him on the the fast track mm-hmm. uh, of growing up. So uh, the, the Conley-Gobert thing has worked so far. It looked great against the Clippers. Um, it gives you the flexibility to, like we've said earlier, to sit Conley. If if you just want to play it a little different style, and a little little playing the product here of what's going on, but like DeAndre Russell hurt his ankle and hasn't played for the Lakers, but don't forget Nikhil Alexander Walker, because he was part of that trade too, and he has been phenomenal. He has taken I think Austin Rivers' spot in the rotation, maybe Jalen Noel's as well. Um, that wasn't just a throw in in a deal to not only get a point guard that's signed again, salary slot, whatever for next year. You also get a guy you have his restricted free agency kind of rights this summer and i'd be shocked at only 24 like he's a he's a foundational piece like much lower on the totem pole but he's a fun little dude he tries hard and that's all i really want sometimes from my from my timberwolves is to try hard and he's (laughs) definitely giving them a boost off the bench so uh that was that's been a good trade so far yeah such a such a low bar just please (laughs) try try hard if
0: you could Um, It's never too early in an episode of Flagrant House to give you guys the uh, Western Conference playoff picture, (laughs) all right? This one presented, by the way, by our friends at Vivrant, okay, Mm. or uh, better known as MyDullKnives.com. So if you're like me and you've been suffering embarrassingly from dull kitchen knives, you walk out of your kitchen, walk out of your apartment, your home, and people are... Whispering to each other and pointing. Oh, look at that guy. <laughs> that guy's got crappy doll kitchen knives, huh? He must not know about MyDollKnives.com, the poor tomatoes that I've been trying to cut that just squish under the pressure of doll knives. Uh, I sunk a newly, a freshly sharpened knife into a tomato a couple weeks ago for the first time since first time I ever had my knife sharpened. And my goodness, just poke, slice, clean, <laughs> We've been uh, salmon, cucumbers, Ooh. sweet. We, we like to make homemade sweet potato fries in the air fryer. Um, no longer do I have to suffer in shame and embarrassment because I discovered mydollknives.com where the folks at Vivrant will send you a safe and professional mail kit. You send your dull knives on a little vacation. It's like a, it's like Disney World for dull knives. <laughs> And then Vivrant mails them back to you all within just a few days, freshly sharpened. If you've never had your knives sharpened, and most people haven't, it's a game-changing experience, a confidence booster in the kitchen, mydollknives.com. That's mydollknives.com. So even with the this is there's two ways to look at this with the atrocious three losses that just had us banging our heads against the wall. If those are flipped into wins, the Wolves are probably in the uh, yes, certainly in the four seed right now. And then they're looking up at the Kings and trying to catch the Kings, right? Well, as it is, they are currently in the eight seed. And I will say it could be worse. They're exactly 500 right now. It feels like every time they go through one of these stretches where they just they lose a couple dumb games, like, oh, God, were they were, are they going to be out of the plan? Well, a lot of other teams are losing dumb games, too. Uh, the Warriors lose a lot of dumb games. The Mavericks just blew a 27-point lead the other night, uh, the other afternoon, to the Lakers. So everyone's just kind of, you got the Nuggets playing their asses off. You got the Grizzlies who were playing their asses off at home, but they're terrible on the road. And then everyone else is kind of jockeying around. So the Wolves, 12 and a half out of the one seed, that's gone. But they're only two and a half games out of the four seed. On the flip side, Kyle, they are three games above the 13 seed. So they're just, they're still fighting. Every game is going to matter here. Um, I, like I said earlier, I, I don't know what the future crystal ball holds for this team. It wouldn't shock me if they somehow became the fifth or the sixth seed seed. It wouldn't shock me if they missed the plan at this point with, like, 18 games to go.
1: They have not met expectations. It has been a very frustrating year. We are still trying to remedy uh, that trade. But also, too, again, for a bar that we constantly joke is so low that it's on the ground, just the fifth time since I graduated high school, I'm going to age myself, back in 2007, that this team has won 32 games. So, again, this is a really bad franchise. (laughs) <laughs> we know what we signed up for when we started this puppy, but uh, you know, again, every criticism that you have about this coach, this team, this front office, whatever is true. But whether you like whatever your opinions on Carmona Towns are, he's missed 50 games, and he was one of the 15 best players last year. And for them to be 32 and 32, um, again, they could just go lose 10 straight, and I'll we'll fire people this month later. But uh, to to it, that's why that Clippers game was. Because you fall two games below 500 if you lose that, and you still have to play the Lakers and this very heavy road schedule. So, again, they should be celebrated for their performance on Tuesday, but it will mean nothing if then again you walk back into Staples Center on Friday after a couple of days. By the way, Finch on the herd, that man, season saver for him, too. He looked so good. The buttons were undone. He had to have gotten his hair colored because it looked way less gray than it does on the side. I think they have uh, a
0: full makeup crew that he may have been able to tap into there, too. Okay, that's what it
1: is. Well, he looked great, so shout-out to Finch. But, uh, yeah, at 32 and 32, they're still very much in it. And you're starting to see, like, the LeBron stuff. Like, the Jazz have fallen apart a little bit. The Blazers just continue to lose games. Um, The Thunder just, like, kind of shut down. Shea Gilders Alexander quietly. They've lost five in a row, so... It's going to be a war of attrition, but I'm still very confident this team is going to be one of the 10 teams to finish in the West. It's just how high can you claw? Because, yeah, you're only one game behind the Warriors for the five seed.
0: I think you've kind of hit on to, you know, and you mentioned this at the beginning of the season that, hey, the Wolves are going to at the very least, the Wolves are trying and the Wolves are the, the Wolves goal is to win games. And you're going to find out as the season progresses. Is that really the goal of some of these teams when push comes to shove at the end of the day? are the Utah Jazz going to find a way to sit a couple players here and there some load management nights to assure some losses right cuz you know Danny Ainge i'm sure he's wildly thrilled that that roster is fighting and they've got some some fighting and winning dna but their goal was not to make the playoffs mm-hmm. when they started making all those trades well, my, here's my next question to you and then we can get to uh, to some comment section stuff what would make you feel a little bit better this summer at this point. So at the beginning of the year, you know, we sort of set the the goal on this show of fifty wins. Can the Wolves win fifty games in the regular season for the first time in almost two decades? Fifty is nifty, right? <laughs> Mathematically, they still can. They could they could go my eighteen guys, and zero the guy. rest of the season. They could win fifty games. But uh, assuming that that doesn't happen, what what do you want to happen? For like realistically, they're not going to win the championship or anything like that. If we're sitting here on, on July 10th and we've digested you know everything that's happened what would you look back and say okay I can I can live with that and then and then figure it out going forward starting in July
1: again expectations not met however much like my little rant on data like you also need to pivot when things change and context changes and now Carl's missed 50 games uh, yes I graduated in 07 532 win season since then haven't actually made back-to-back playoffs series since I was in middle school back in 2002 2003 yeah um I think and this is just my opinion I think a successful season would be making the playoffs again not the play-in that stuff's kind of a joke but if, if you get another series at least four games five games maybe six games and go from there um and this is I kind of talked about this before and we can kind of rant about it later this summer but uh like I, I watched the Houston Rockets They're, they've lost 11 games in a row uh the Spurs had lost I think maybe nineteen or fourteen games in a row or something. I've always wondered what Anthony Edwards. I mean, again, him and Jaden, right? Shut down Kyrie and Luca to win the Mavs game. Him and Jaden kind of close out that game against Kawhi and Paul George. I've always wondered, on the flip side or in another simulation, what Anthony Edwards looks like on a really bad team. Like, does he give you that defensive effort no. if his team is thirteen and forty-nine? Again, I'm not. I am not giving tim connelly the executive of the year but i'm just saying i wonder i've all i said this in september we might just be in this chapter of the ant book that three years from now when they are like a western conference finals team we look back and like oh my god he really took a leap that year and it's because he had expectations jalen green doesn't have expectations Lamelo ball doesn't have expectations and i think having expectations might be very good for these young guys, Anthony Edwards is playing in meaningful basketball games every day of his life. Mm-hmm. And I think if he wasn't, I don't know, maybe he would. But I don't I don't know if he would be as much of a gym rat or as, you know, locked in on defense in these things. So if nothing else, I know that, again, this is so watered down and almost sad. But I just think having meaningful games for these young guys is really important. And it shows, I mean, you just can't get enough reps in real time if you're not in situations where you need to win the game so that's why the clippers game was important and that's why this whole month of march is important and if they were 20 and 48 i think it would be much 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 worse even if you had your you picks know. because you're not learning winning ways
0: yeah i think so obviously the, the regular season expectations are are gonna go unmet barring a <laughs> lengthy winning streak here right if they win like eight more in a row we gotta like maybe talk about it get, get the shirt logo back <laughs> one game at a time one game at a time so their you know best case scenario with this schedule they're probably again best case scenario 20 games left 18 games left let's say they go 10 and 8 or something or mm-hmm. 11 and 11 and 7 so their their upside is like 42 maybe 43 wins unless they go gangbusters so they're going to they're going to be several wins shy of last year several wins shy of expectations and anyone who took our advice on the over-under win total being over at the beginning of the year, just uh, know that we are not professional gamblers. You should never take our advice when it comes to your finances. But they can do damage in the postseason. And by damage, I mean they can can win a series in the postseason. You know, they look up and down, man. Now, do I want to run into a Warriors team that's fully engaged? Not necessarily. Uh, the Warriors are one of the worst road teams in the league this year. So the the Warriors are 7 and 23 on the road, which is just what two games better than the Spurs who are 6 and 26 on the road. Yeah. So even the Warriors it's like I'd rather not if Steph comes back and you know they've got the full allotment of Steph, Draymond and Jordan Poole everyone. Uh I'd I'd rather avoid them even though the Wolves are only a game back of them in the standings. The only team that I think smokes you is the Nuggets, but they fought with the Nuggets in the regular season this year too. I think that's a 5 game series. Everybody else including Memphis, including Sacramento who's the best offensive team, you have a halfway decent chance of beating any of those teams in a 7 game series. So my I think my new goal is get to the playoffs, not the <laughs> plan, and if you have to work your way through the plan to get to the playoffs whatever, but get to the playoffs. Fight in a first round series like you did mm-hmm. last year. That's going to come short of expectations if you lose. But then you, okay, all right, it's not a total step back. Now you can reassess what moves need to be made in the offseason, right? But if you win a playoff series, if you, let's say you upset the Kings in the first round of the playoffs in, in a six or seven game series or something, we'll get to Tim. Is that considered here. a step forward? Like just a weird way to get there, but a weird step forward? The first playoff series
1: win in almost 20 years? you can remove all context whatsoever and any <laughs> opponent if they win a playoff series i will be the worst version of myself
0: dude is it is it cuz again let me let me just r- r- like repaint this landscape for a second okay they are one game out of the 6 seed right now despite everything that's happened they are one game out of the 6 seed if they get the 6 seed they would play the Sacramento Kings in the first round of the playoffs in a seven game series <clears throat> excuse me do I think the Kings would be favored? Of course, I of course, do. Yep. But the Kings haven't been here in 20 years, eat, Like, the Kings don't know. As a franchise, like, wow, we're just... I, I'll bet you half that fan base is still looking for ways subconsciously. Oh, my God. Is there a seven-game losing streak coming? When's the when's the bottom going to fall out of this thing, even though they have a good, young, talented team? Is it that unrealistic to, unrealistic to suggest the Wolves make up the game in the standings and then fight the Kings hard over a 7 game series. So I just I think we should leave that possibility open here that they could oddly take a step forward despite everything that's happened so far.
1: I I have no rebuttal again I I want to stress that anyone still listening to this and following this team has been <laughs> through a war and has aged rapidly over these last 5 months. But yeah, I mean, if I just listed a bunch of teams to an average Timberwolves fan and was just like Do you think they're having more fun this year? Like, yeah, the Nuggets. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about the Grizzlies because some of the the, – Some of them are going to prison, but um, the Kings. guns at 17-year-olds, hard guy to root for at this point. Listen, I don't know if I'm going to fight finish line employees when I have my own shoe deal. They'll just send the shoes to your house, man. It's okay. Uh, Nuggets having fun. Really good injury luck. Um, Grizzlies having fun, good injury luck. Kings are so fun. Light the beam. They've had basically everything go right for them. Um, the Suns, the Warriors, the Clippers—like those teams—are all peop- teams that people are like, yeah, they're they're cooler, they're way more fun than the Wolves. Tons only of four superstars. of those teams are going to advance in the first round, right? So it's like, yes, would the Wolves be heavy dogs against a Grizzlies team again, or the Kings, or you know the Nuggets? Yeah, but there's no reason. I mean, that's kind of almost when they're at their best, right? Like low expectations. Mm-hmm. We've clearly seen that with high expectations, it can be a drag and they can really let you down. But um, yeah again, I, I this season has been a drag, but there is still to your point, if they go 10 and eight, let's say, and they go 42 and 40, that would mean, right? Is that math? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they would, uh, You're good. They would they would finish <laughs> six and a half six and a half games below their Vegas prediction. Um, it's not great, but I also just I struggle with if you would have told me in October at my birthday, hey, the, Carl's going to miss 60 games, and this team's going to win 42 games. And they're going to trade D'Lo halfway through. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't pretend. Anyone knows me. I'm not pretending to be an analytics stack guy. But, like, I think Carl had, like, a win shares last year of 10.3. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy contributes to winning, and he did last year. And that's why we made All-NBA. Uh, to, if they do go 10-8 and eight and finish above 500 without their, you know, seemingly best player at the time playing 70% of the games, I feel like that's a success. And it doesn't mean that you hang a banner, seriously, but it gives you – more data more se- that's all Dane and i talked about that all year last year was like just make the playoffs because those games actually matter and that's about like microscope and in-game adjustments and figuring out like not only do we have winners but do we have the right coach do we have the right training staff do we have the right water um and they use that information to then go make a trade to address what Re- rebounding and rim protection yeah was it a great trade i don't know but maybe you play another series where you play maybe a team that is plays smaller or plays faster, and you're like, okay, listen, we tried it again. We can't have two bigs. Just can't do it. And then you'll know, right? Then you'll at least have the data and the sample size to say, this doesn't work. Now we pivot again. So uh, making the playoffs, Phil, is is my bar now. I still think it's very much in play. And then from there, it's like they're not going to win the finals, but it, it's a little March yeah. Madnessy in terms of, you know, the Kings would have the pressure on them. The Grizzlies at this point – have a lot of pressure on them to start winning games and shutting up. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I do hate like
0: lowering the bar here, but you're right. This you know the the bar has been lowered whether we like it or not for the regular season, but you you know the the back-to-back playoff appearances for the first time since you were in middle school and I was in high school. Um, you know,
1: Hey, listen. Love it
0: or not, like it's it's I'm, a it's a check it's a checkbox for the organization.
1: <laughs> I I say it in my sleep. I say it when I'm showering. I believe the the purple daily motto of win one Super Bowl before we die. Like that is facts and honorable and like true. I didn't sign up for being a Timberwolves fan to have championship expectations every year, right? Because I don't want to go be checked into an insane asylum. Like the Celtics have open seats, go buy season tickets to them. Making the playoffs for back to back years for the first time since I couldn't have a driver's license would be a good result on what has been a bad season.
0: Yeah. Yep. Okay. So let us know, too. What are your guys' expectations? You can comment on the Scorn Earth YouTube channel where you should also click the subscribe and the like button. Help spread the word about this uh, fan of depressed Timberwolves fans, (laughs) largely depressed Timberwolves fans. But, uh, yeah, let us know. What are your new expectations here now from now until the summer? What would make the summer feel a little bit better or a little bit more reasonable for you as a Timberwolves fan? All right, Kyle, it's been a couple weeks here. It's time for us to jump back into the comment section. Phil and Kyle read the comments here on Flagrant Howls. This one comes in from Twitter here. Josh Van Klompenberg. he tweets, I don't feel like enough media in Minnesota has done a full deep dive into the Tim Connolly tenure in Denver. So Connolly ran the Denver Nuggets for a number of years, almost 10 years. Everyone wants to start from 2015, which was Jokic's rookie year, and then kind of look at what happened from from 2015 going forward. But he took over the lead role in 2013. Take a look at what happened. He dismantled what was a 57-win Nuggets team the year before. And so um, Kyle and I did a little bit of a deeper dive here. I think I I will say that I am guilty of mostly studying the Jokic era Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. Tim Connolly's tenure, because that Jokic and some of the other gems that they found throughout the first and second round, you know, that ushered in, what, four playoff appearances, a trip to the conference finals in 2019-20, you know, a multi-time MVP in Jokic and stability for a franchise that uh, that was looking for it. But, as you and I, we, you know, we kind of did a tandem deep dive before we <laughs> hit record here today. So, <clears throat> sure enough, and by the way, Masayu Ujiri, as Maya Mackie says hi in the background here, uh, Masayu Ujiri was the Nuggets' top executive, and then he moved on, I think that was when he moved on to Toronto, after the 2012-13 season where they won 57 games but got bounced for the fourth consecutive season in the first round of the playoffs, and then Tim Connolly took over. So Connolly takes over again. This is a team that made the playoffs 10 consecutive seasons, the Nuggets. Nine of those were first-round exits with a conference finals trip smack dab in the middle in 2008-2009. George Carl had just won... NBA coach of the year. <laughs> Connolly comes in, fires George Carl a month after he wins the award, trades Andre Iguodala in his prime. He was one of the best players yep. in that starting rotation. And then a few months later, trades Andre Miller, who was at that point like in his mid-30s, but he was the starting point guard and the catalyst and the distributor for a 57-win team. They were coming off wins of 50, 54, 53, 50. There was a lockout season where they won 38, 38, and and 28, and then 57. And sure enough, Tim Connolly came in and said, new coach, 40% of the starting lineup, turned over, and uh, we're going to start this thing over again. They finished below five hundred for four consecutive seasons, didn't make the playoffs for five seasons, but then the Jokic era obviously became what it was. So... What do you make of that? Like the like the pre Jokic, the two or three years where he took a 57-win team and nuked it.
1: <laughs> well, shout out to Josh because honestly, when he was like, I don't think anyone in the media has done a good job of this, he's 100% right because I really have a tough time remembering what I did last week, let alone 2013. But yeah, on June seventeenth, 2013, Tim Connolly comes over from New Orleans and starts running the show, and then I think it was – three weeks later trades iguodala to the warriors as part of like a sign-in and trade and kind of builds up what becomes the warriors dynasty um so if nothing else i mean i guess you could say well that was a really p- bad move because the team got bad does this guy know what he's doing um if nothing else it shows you one of my complaints has been the easiest thing tim conley could have done last summer is just come in and just sat in his office for a, a year and watch the team play basketball mm-hmm. and he clearly doesn't he wants to win and he believes in his methods and he wants to be aggressive now again we all think the trade was an overpay even if we really like the player but i will at least give him credit now based on the research you and i did for all 10 minutes that uh the dude is kind of fearless um that's not always good but it's also not always bad so it's it's an interesting thing to be like wow he really kind of I mean, you know, it's kind of what the Jazz did, right? Like, they brought in a new guy because, you know, in Danny Ames, and they're like, hey, we are so tired of just making the first round every year. What's the point of that? For the Wolves, I'd be like, if you told me that the Wolves would make the first round of the playoffs for the next 10 years, I might just sign up for that. But, uh, yeah. He clearly was like, this isn't good enough. We have higher expectations and made a move. And did he get a little lucky in the second round? Yeah. Um, but he's also kind of showed, I mean, I don't, I don't know if this – were we going to do four hours on Josh Minot? Um, we could, but uh, he clearly has a knack for talent and scouting talent in these later rounds. So. Walker Kessler, man. Yeah, Walker Kessler, too. I mean, that might be the second runner-up for, like, rookie of the year. So he, he has a system, he has a method, and he's not afraid to be aggressive, and he's aggressive at the deadline. And, you know, for people that want to move off of Rudy or Carl this summer, he might be aggressive again. And at least in that component, now that what you and I have studied today – uh it's it's you know it's worth mentioning for sure so a great comment it is uh, yeah
0: it is it is interesting i mean he clearly likes to come in and be splashy when he takes over a job i think the denver thing i think he realized it was the sunsetting of a 10 year era that yeah. the you know and the fact that george Carl coached that team to 57 wins like look at that roster man it was not they had um Gallinari, who also, I think he tore his knee up and he missed yep. the entire next season. So, like, with him being injured, Iguodala traded. Andre Miller was 36 years old. But uh, was Wilson Chandler, I think, on that team? So it, it, they didn't have, like, a superstar. Carmelo Anthony had already been traded to the New York Knicks at that point. And they still kept winning without him. Ty Lawson, who the Timberwolves actually drafted, didn't they? Yep. Corey they Brewer. Um, Corey Brewer was on that team.
1: Anthony Randolph, who I still kind of believe in. Even after 30 years. Uh, yeah, he just he, he clearly was just, you know, um, if nothing else, and I'm not, I am not—I don't think people would think I'm defending Tim Connolly, But uh, if nothing else, he came in and said, this isn't good enough or I don't want to just run it back again. I want to make aggressive moves to try to make this better. Again, when you draft someone in the second round like Nikola Jokic, I think there's a lot of luck involved just because yeah, 40 some other teams passed on him. But it worked. Right. That's and so if Tim Connolly saw what the Wolves did in Memphis last April, oh, that's fun. They have all these fun kind of young pseudo guys, or whatever. Um, it's not good enough. I want to do this and try to elevate the ceiling. He that this explains why he did it. I don't know if I agree still, but it at least kind of explains the method to his madness back yeah. back in July.
0: I agree. I think that's that's the biggest difference. Is in Denver he saw all right this thing. This thing has a glass ceiling on top. Mm-hmm. We're kind of stuck in no man's land. We don't really have a true superstar. Yeah, 10 straight playoff appearances, but what what more can we really do with this collection? So let's just rip the bandaid off and move forward. I, I think the Gobert trade was meant to get a good Wolves team to the next level, and so far it hasn't happened, as we talked about. Maybe they can win a playoff series. All right, Steve Dietrich in the YouTube comment section said, The frustrating part of watching the Timberwolves is that they beat someone like Miami or Dallas or Denver or the Clippers a couple nights ago, and you see how good they can be. And then you watch them lose to Charlotte or Detroit, and you wonder, how is this the same Wolves team? No consistency in their play. And so it goes. Don't you think in two or three years, to put a silver lining on this, as Anthony Edwards continues to figure out how to navigate the NBA on the floor, off the floor, and Jade McDaniels, some of those losses go away when your key players are not 21 years old anymore, right? You know, mm-hmm. we think back here's something else to remember. 25 years ago when I was a kid, when you were, I don't know, maybe you were like a conversation over uh, drinks with your parents. I don't know. Like, were you <laughs> alive
1: in 1996? Yes, you were... thank you. I'm, okay. a little, I'm a little older than people think. But yeah, I was, I was <laughs> having apple juice. But anyway. <laughs> so like the
0: KG and Marbury Timberwolves come around. And, you know, 25 years ago, we remember they splashed on the scene, right? And they yep. they, they had all the success. Well, the first splashy year for them, I think they were under 500. I'm pretty sure they were like 40 and 42. But the Western Conference had just a bunch of bad teams, so they made the playoffs as an eight seed. In fact, it took them a while to become a consistent 50-win team, if I remember correctly. I'm actually going to pull this up on uh, on basketball reference because – those teams suffered the same inconsistencies when the two best players or two of the best players were like 21 and 21 uh, t- 21 and 22 years old it's like it's hard to navigate an 82 game season so yeah they went uh 40 and 42 and then they went 45 and 37 in that second year and we all remember it as like oh this joyous breaking out of <laughs> yeah. like they went 45 and 37 which is you know similar to the pace this team is playing at And then uh, 25 and 25, they were 500 in that third year, and that's the year, that was a lockout year. I think that's the year that Marbury may have demanded a trade. But it took them like, okay, now it's now KG, 1999-2000. Now KG is like 24 years old. He's Mm -hmm. an adult. 50 wins. They bring in Terrell Brandon, who's an adult, to run point guard and can hit some shots. It's hard to really... Breakthrough when your best player is 21 years old. So again, that sounds like an excuse. They should be better in the regular season. They have adults like Rudy Gobert and D'Lo. Technically, is an adult when he was here, and Cat technically is an adult. um But, but guys, I, it's some context for you, I guess.
1: But those guys are pizza toppings, right? I mean, I just said it. who won the Mavs game, Jaden and Ant. Who won the Clippers game, Jaden and Ant? Yeah, those guys. I know people hate this stuff, but that those guys are your crust in your pizza sauce, right? Like. People hate talking about how young this team is, but it's like, look at the box score. It's like, most of the minutes tonight were Ant, Jaden, Jordan McLaughlin, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Nas Reed. Like, it's primarily young guys that have the biggest part of this pie on their shoulders. So, yeah, Conley's there. Yeah, Gobert's there. But we've learned watching 64 games of Rudy Gobert that, like, he is a tertiary piece, even if you paid a primary price to get him. Um, But to the original question, just stealing all of Alan Horton's greatest tweets, uh... They're 5-8 and eight against the bottom five teams in the league. Uh, this season would feel different if the Wolves just hammered all the bad teams and could never beat the good teams. Because you'd be like, oh, man, little brother syndrome. Like, we can beat all the trashy teams, but we can never beat the good ones. But, yeah, when they beat the good ones and then they can't beat the trashy ones because they don't focus or take it seriously, it's even more frustrating. They're 5-8 and eight against Houston, San Antonio, Detroit, Charlotte, and Orlando. If they're 8-5 and five against those same five teams, they're the four seed. Yeah. So that's why it is that's why everyone that's really mad. That's what you. Sh- We're all frustrated because it's like all you had to do, as I said last on Monday, was make your layups, and the whole narrative around this whole thing, despite not having Carl, would be like they're they're somehow just continuously grinding throughout a kind of a treacherous season. So that is, you know, I don't know if teams in 2023 do the the end of season DVD, but if there was an end of season DVD for this team, that would be one of the biggest chapters. Is that they just left a lot of meat on the bone against teams that weren't interested in winning basketball games.
0: I know there's a there's not really a world where a parallel universe where they would go 13 and 0 in those games against the bottom 5 teams, <laughs> but just for fun, if they did take care of business against all of those teams and they were 13 and 0, they'd be 40 and 24 right now. <laughs> the and number 2 seed in the Western Conference. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they would be, what, two and a half games away from the one seed. So again, everyone that has an opinion and a thought on this, it's usually frustrated and it all makes sense because it has been a frustrating year, but um, I I don't know. You pull yourself out of it. We're going to talk about this in May. We'll talk about this in July. I think the fact that they've been able to grind to where they are, um, again, the floor on this team, as you said, tired of trying to predict the schedule, but They've at least made it this far up the ladder. They could easily fall off the ladder and just completely faceplant. But if they can just continue to grind out those Clippers wins that you don't see coming, they don't have any more easy games on the schedule until April when they really actually have like yeah. five cakewalk games. But uh, yeah, just they need to say, keep mentality of every game is a playoff game in the month of March. And they still have the ability to avoid the play-in game if they want to do it.
0: Jonathan Straka chimes in here Ooh. via the YouTube comment section. So just a quick reality check here. The Pelicans are 7-19 and without Zion. The Suns are 5-17 and without Devin Booker. The Wolves are 500 in the 42 games without Carl Anthony Towns. And actually, they're, I think, a game above 500 now because this comment was before the Clippers game. Make of it what you will, but this injury and a bunch of others simply cannot be written out of the equation, especially when you compare it to the other team's on the same metrics losing an all nba player. And it's I think it's hard because you know, we kind of saw how up and down and clunky they looked with Karl Anthony Towns. It wasn't like like the Suns are incredible when they have all hands on deck. Yeah. Right? The Wolves aren't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. it's I think it's hard to sit here and be like, well, if they had Cat these last 42 games, they'd be 6 or 7 or 8 games better. Maybe that's true. Mm-hmm. We don't know that it's true, so I, I think that's that's why people aren't using the well. Cat's been out. Well, we saw Cat, and you know, and we kind of know that you know Cat's numbers don't always equate to wins in his career, so it's a it's a little hard. But I I appreciate that argument. I understand it, and it'll be very interesting if and when Cat comes back to see what this thing looks like, even if it's like ten games down the stretch in the road. Can can they get Cat integrated enough? for him to be a force in a playoff series. That's the question.
1: Is Carl Anthony Towns a winner? Some people don't know yet. Some people do, some people don't know. Was Rudy Gobert worth the trade? Some people don't think so, some people never think so. Are Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels your two most important players? I think we all know that, and they're both taking leaps. One's an all-star, and one is, by God, if I have to grind these next six weeks with propaganda, one is gonna make the all-defensive team. Um, you know, yeah, did the Hornet or the, the Pelicans have a lot of picks? Sure. Do the Thunder have a lot of picks? Yeah. Did the Warriors have a lot of young guys? Yeah. And then they traded them all, or they all they all suck, right? Uh, did the did the Brooklyn Nets have this big three of James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving? Yeah. And then twelve months later it was all blown up. So they've grinded to 32 and 32. I think that is some good perspective. Some people don't like it, but the most important people in this in this formula. Are delivering when it matters the most and showing you their ability at a young age and i think for me selfishly personally personally that's what i will take away from this season is frustrating losses to really bad teams immaturity but seeing the two kids from 2020 really elevate this franchise that is 32 and 32 good enough no but man again only the fifth time since i was in high school. Uh, good enough for me for now. Expectations yeah. should remain moving forward and probably get higher every year, but I, I haven't looked at Tankathon in yet, so I'm 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 a happy person.
0: Man. Yeah, boy, I haven't either. But at some point, if they if, if they don't take care of business <laughs> here, so uh, upcoming between now oh. and the next time we record, it's a back to back on the West Coast. They're going to be on the West Coast for two more games here. Lakers tomorrow night on Friday, and then the highest scoring team in the NBA. The Sacramento Kings couple home games middle of next week, or I guess Tuesday against the Sixers on TNT, and then um, depleted Brooklyn on Friday. That Brooklyn game is you know it's it's hard to you got to fight your instinct, right? You look at the schedule, you're like, okay, well we got that Brooklyn game on Friday. That's a win. <laughs> right. That is not you cannot pencil that game in as a win. So and then they've got Boston still on the schedule. They've got another game at Golden State, another game at Sacramento, Phoenix on ESPN in a few weeks. So. Interesting schedule, couple games on the West Coast to recap when we come back early next week. And that's a wrap, I think, Kyle, on this episode of Flagrant House. Go pour yourself a big glass of wine and hope for the best against the Lakers tomorrow night. This is your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast.